This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett from Shake and Bake, catch the three. That's eyes in the crowd with Barrett. Five on the 24. Barrett previously in the airport. The drive, the land, that's it. Oh! Keeps out series might be a better series than I thought. <laughs> I I honestly didn't think it would go this be this tight. Um it might be the Rays year, man. It just might be the Rays year. You never know. They could pull off an upset here. The series is tied 2 to 2. Um and it's a Glass now versus Kershaw tonight at the moment and we are in the 5th inning. It's 3-2 LA. It's fucking tight. Tell you what, that game four, that was nuts. That ending was insane. The Dodgers did everything they should have done to win that game for for eight innings, right? At least from what I saw offensively, you know, didn't catch the whole game for game four, but, you know, I saw them put the ball in play a shit ton. I saw them hit the ball at a very high volume. I saw them hit home runs. I saw them, you know, pick up a bunch of other hits. They they made a fucking bad play. You know, they botched that final play. And Brett, what was it, Brett Phillips? <laughs> With the big uh, game winner. But game five looks like it's, again, it looks like it's pretty tight for for another night in a row. Glass now pitching. Tell you what, another night where Glass now isn't pitching to ace standards. And I've said it before. It's new, but I did say it in the last episode. Um, either in the last episode or a couple episodes ago. But uh, I do think Glass now is heading towards that somewhat overrated label. You can hate on that all you want. Sure. But, you know, the resume isn't that impressive. The stuff is there. That's what people love. He throws 99. He's got a curveball. Oh, fuck. Muncie just launched a goner off of him. That one's in the... That was like 450. So, uh, there it is. Giving up more runs. His, His... Regular season resume glass now is not impressive yet. You look at his years and his season by season numbers, not impressive. And you look at his playoff resume, he's not been that good in the playoffs either. Very mediocre. That guy's overrated. He's a little overrated. The stuff is again, the stuff is there to be lights out. But that's the issue with with some people nowadays. They talk about stuff so much and, and all these numbers, the spin rate. His, his, you know, 
life on the fastball, yada, yada. But it's all about results. It still has to be about results. And Class now hasn't been consistently pitching like he's been touted as. I still think he can be that number one superstar that everyone talks him up to be. But in the meantime, you know, while he's not there yet and while he's still developing, I think he's a bit overrated. I'm not going to call him that guy yet, right? It's kind of like my whole thing with Severino and how Yankees fans treat him like he's a god, but he's far from that right now. Um, Anywho, it's 4-2 Dodgers in the fifth now. Glass now just gave up a shot to Muncie. I just watched, um, just finished watching for the second time, um, Uncut Gems. <laughs> That's one of those movies where no matter how many times you see it, it's gonna drain your fucking energy. It is so stressful. It is so incredibly stressful. It's intense. It makes you breathe heavy. Oh man, I wanted to like run it off. You know, after watching, I needed to like run around the block, take a couple of laps just to run off of that anxiety that was built up. God. Didn't Adam Sandler not win an award for that either? He was ridiculous. He was spectacular. Fuck, that was a good-ass movie. (laughs) Intense. Football Sunday, today was. As I speak, it is Sunday, October 25th. Almost Halloween, but it was football Sunday today. Did some more betting. Used my earnings from that UFC 254, which we're going to talk about in just a second. To bet on some of these games. I had three parlays today. <laughs> Didn't win a single one of them. Three three leg parlays. Not a single one. <laughs> I got close on that final parlay. I needed uh, the Chiefs to win. So I had the Chiefs taking the money line. That happened. I had the... Unfortunately, because I, I like the Broncos. Um, but I had Chiefs money line. And then... 33 and a half combined points. 31 and a half combined points, which which happened. And then um, I had Mahomes for 266 yards. And he fell short of that. I think he had 200 on the dot. So we didn't get that one. We were 0 for 3. But <laughs> whatever. Cowboys lost. It's funny that they suck. But, you know, it's unfortunate how that happened. Um Losing Dak. I heard, I didn't see the game, but I heard Andy Dalton now went down. So, fuck. Everyone's hurt, man. Giants, they lost Thursday Night Football. Looked like they were going to win. They're about to pull it out. Daniel Jones does his signature fumble. Turns it over. They lose. (laughs) Giants suck. Cowboys suck. Redskins suck. Um, Eagles suck, but they might win this division. It's a bad division. Antonio Brown is back. With the Bucks. Brady and Brown. Going to give it another shot. <laughs> um, But that UFC fight on Saturday. Wow. 
the prelims were good. Even the prelims were good. Then we got to the main card. That was good. The Whittaker fight was fun. But that fucking main event, the one that we've all been waiting for for months, I have, Khabib and Justin Gaethje, fuck. And I'm happy I, I, uh, I am happy, very happy that I, um, went with my, uh, brain instead of my heart. Because I wanted Gaethje to win. I wanted Gaethje. But. I fucking had that feeling that Khabib, you know, 28-0 and heading into the fight, wasn't going to lose. You know, so I used my brains there, and he won. You know, it was, what, a minute and 28 seconds, they said? But I was watching the fight, and, you know, he looked great from the start. Gaethje didn't have his balance. But Brown, uh, Brown, fucking, um, Khabib, Khabib took him to the fucking ground. Um, and had that first round not expired, he probably would have tapped him there. But the time ran out, and we got to round two, and he had him in the uh, triangle choke. <laughs> or the flying triangle? I don't know. I'm not a fucking jujitsu guy. But he had him in the triangle, and he got him to uh, to tap. He got him to tap. He submitted him, and that was it. So I put my money, I put some money on fucking Habib for the money line and, and I got my buck there. So that was fun. But that was a hell of a hell of a job by him to go out on top. He's retiring now, 29 and 0. You know, undefeated in MMA. Just unfucking believable. And obviously everything with his father. So it was an emotional story, um, and a good way to end his career. Um, if that is it. <laughs> because I know how UFC works, you know. Guys say they're out all the time and end up coming back, you know, whether it be nostalgia or, you know, some kind of motivation later on. That was fun, though. Really fun. (laughs) All right. Tonight's episode is uh, episode 171. Okay, I'm your host, Rob Carbone. Um, Still talking Knicks, you know, some more Knicks offseason and draft talk. This is part eight of this little mini-series. Um... Not much, you know, the news is still very light, you know, and it's going to be very light for a while because there's not much going on. You know, the season ended and the fucking NBA draft isn't until 20 something days from now. (laughs) So we're we're fucking, we've got a ways to go. What is it, November 18th, maybe? I don't know. Amari Stoudemire, I saw, is joining the Nets coaching staff. Ow! I love Damari. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Um, that's that's you know that's 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 our little uh, intro to tonight's podcast. But we won't go on for too long, really. I'm hoping this is no longer than thirty minutes tops. So we'll see how this goes. All right. Let's head to break, and as soon as we get back, we'll talk about um, we'll talk some Knicks. Brb. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website 
at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. So really the only one thing I guess we're going to talk about tonight um, is just, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> fuck, is just that the Knicks are one of a couple of teams who are, quote, strongly considering um, this prospect that I'm hearing about, Yoli Childs. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys, I don't know much about this kid, so I had to do a little more research, you know, um, to get true information on him and, and real good analysis. Um, I did watch some tape, um, just to, you know, to get a true testament of, of who this kid is, at least a little bit of a, of a, of taste of who he is. And, you know, fucking, Hey, again, in a class like this, you got to live with whatever happens. Uh-huh. So Childs is somebody who, you know, if the Knicks do decide to get him, I'm thinking he's going to be you know, picked at 38 which is the Knicks' third draft pick this year. They might take him at number 38. Um, they could also, of course, trade back with their 28th pick into the second round, get Childs, and then also a plus, you know, a couple of assets, being that they're trading back, too. That could be a thing. You know, that could be definitely something they do. That definitely could be something they do. And fucking, you know, that would work out nicely, get some draft capital. And, you know, maybe he doesn't get drafted at all. And the Knicks could sign him as an undrafted prospect. That's also, you know, an option people are talking about. Um, you know, he's not even in some mock drafts. So Yoli Childs, um, yeah, six eight forward, uh, two hundred twenty five pounds with a seven foot wingspan, um, eight ten standing reach, and uh, a thirty seven inch vertical. Kid is from BYU, a forward. Sometimes plays center. He could slide up to the five occasionally for short stretches. Uh, but he's a 22-year-old from BYU, played there all four years, so he became the sixth all-time scorer in BYU history. And in 2020, more recently, um, Childs was a finalist for the 2020 um, NCAA Carl Malone Award, which is handed out to the top power forward in all of college basketball. He was a finalist. So a little bit about this kid's game. Um, I guess we'll start with the, the pros to his game. Uh, he's a very good offensive player. Okay, so he can score. He can put the ball in the net. Um, and, you know, Lord knows Lord knows the Knicks fucking need that. <laughs> they need everything. But, yeah, he's a lethal scorer um, with a very dangerous post game. His post game is what I like most about, about him. He's got a great fucking build. You know, just a great upper body with, with some bulkiness to where he can use that strength and dominate the mismatches in the post, and really take on true traditional fours um, as well. Um, you know, he's just a high-energy player. You see him; he's always posterizing people down low and bringing some energy to the floor. He's an energizer. You know, a battery. Um, what do they call those fucks? What do they call those little fucking uh, energy bunny? Whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he's a good post scorer, and he's also a pretty good passer out of the post. He's very good at recognizing the double team when it's coming and then kicking it out to, you know, the guy open in the corner for three. He does that a lot. Um, and, and that again, remember when we talked about, I think it was a few episodes back, we were discussing Julius Randall and Tom Thibodeau, how he might use him and you know, how, how Tibbs, Thibs, I always say Tibbs. I know it's, it's TH. That's how you pronounce it, but I always fucking pronounce it silent for some reason but I know Thibs 
um, has always used his bigs in the past, at least with Chicago, at the top of the post, right? Playmaking and passing that way. He used them as playmakers a lot. That's why Noah had a bunch of assists. Um, he even did it with Taj Gibson for times. And that's a good sign that, that someone like Yoli Childs is a good passer out of the post already. So he could potentially fit really good in a Tom Thibodeau. Um, there I go. I did it again in a Tom Thibodeau system. So that's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on that post game. Um, he's also a decent shooter. Okay. He, he's somebody who has improved every season in college in terms of shooting the basketball. As a freshman, he was over two, nine points per game, but over two from deep. Sophomore year, he started shooting 1.3. Four three-pointers per game and shot it at a 31% clip. Um, he upped his points per game to 18. In his junior year, I have 32% from three on 3.1 attempts. And he upped his points per game to 21. And then in his senior season, he shot, get this, shot 49% from three-point distance on 2.4 attempts. Um, and his points per game jumped a bit to 22. Great senior season, very efficient as a shooter there. Um, so, yeah, he's a great flat-foot shooter when you watch him play. You know, a good catch-and-shoot guy. Very exceptional ball out of the pick-and-pop. And that's one thing I'm going to like, you know, if the Knicks had a point guard to use this kid with. So if they choose this child's guy with their third-round or second-round pick, um, you would hope that they can get him going and they pick a point guard in the first round with one of their first two picks. So, you know, in order to run that pick-and-pop with him. Um so yeah, he's a modern day big, right? He can now shoot as good as he rolls, you know. Improving his three-point shooting in that senior season was huge to where, you know, he did it at a volume just as high as he did when he rolled to the rim. He can roll to the rim as an excellent roll man, but now he's a good spot-up pick-and-pop guy as well. Um, and he's just, you know, looking at, him, looking at him, watching him shoot. He's got a good form from deep, um, a good three-point, you know, shot with no wasted movement. Um, so he doesn't look like he's, you know, messing up. His mechanics aren't out of whack at all. So they look pretty good for big. Um, good transition scorer as well. This is somebody, like I said, he hustles a lot. He's always sprinting back in transition, and that's very un-Nick-like, right? That You don't see that from a lot of Knicks, and that's unfortunate. Especially Randall. You know, he's always dogging it up and down the court. He's never given his full sprint. You know, opponents should never beat you in the fast break. And that's one thing you can definitely um, rely on with Childs is he's not going to be beat on the break. He will beat you there. He will get into his lane and he will sprint the entire, however many feet a court is. I always forget that. Um, whatever the fuck, but you know, an excellent transition scorer. Um, and this past season in 2020, he averaged a very high 1.385 points per possession in transition. Um, and then last year, but definitely not least amongst his positives, I have on the other side of the court, his defense and intangibles are very strong. Um, he's very versatile due to his size, right? He could play the three, the four, and occasionally, again, like I said, stretch, uh, not stretch, um, step up to the five if he needs to, you know, for small stretches. Um... Again, constantly hustling, never gets beat. Um, got very long arms with that seven-foot wingspan to where he can just, you know, kind of like Mitchell Robinson, 
doesn't have to play you extremely tight on the perimeter in order to collect blocks. Um, he averaged 1.7 blocks per 40 minutes in college, which wasn't great, but enough to show that there may be something there. Um, huge hands as well. You know, very Kawhi Leonard type of hands. Um, and that's helped a big like him average a pretty impressive one steal per 40 in college. Um, you know, some intangibles about him. Uh, excellent screener. You know, sets very bulky, uh, very, uh, with his bulky size, he sets very good, strong screens. Kind of like a fucking mountain man when you're trying to navigate around him. Um, and, you know, with that size, he's also good in the RA as a rebounder, right? Average nine rebounds in uh, 119 games at BYU. And, you know, he's one of those guys who's pretty smart on the glass as well. He will not just lunge for the ball. He will box out, and then he will grab um, the board. You know, so he knows how to uh, position himself and all that. <laughs> so that's that, those are the good things when it comes to fucking uh, Childs. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get to uh, a couple of the, the negatives to his game. Be right back. I'm on a few different social media platforms today. If you want to follow my Instagram account, follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. All right, so what do we got? He's not, you know, when you watch this kid play, he's not the most fluid player. You know, there are moments where he doesn't look like he's, um, very smooth, I guess you could say, out on the court. You know, he has he tends to have these moments where he plays very uh, high and stiff. You know, not in a stance you would like to see him in. That's one thing you're going to notice with Childs. Um, he's a good rim protector, we said, down in the post and the low post. But his off-ball... And, you know, help defense, I guess, needs a lot of work. It's mostly his recognition uh, recognition skills. A lot of times he'll fail to see, you know, the guy cutting into the paint, right? He, he has a difficult time recognizing cutters and such. Um, so he can be beat backdoor um, quite a few times. And that's going to be something he's going to have to work on. You know, maybe if, if that becomes an issue right away, we'll have, you know, Thibs using him in drop covers more and not hedging on screens as much. That could help, you know, I guess, band-aid that flaw there. And then, you know, we mentioned how he he improved. He definitely fucking improved as a, as a three-point jump shooter. But, you know, it is a small sample size of three-point success, right? In the senior year where he shot 49%, that was on 45 total attempts. Where from his freshman year to his junior year, 32% on 149 attempts. Um, and not only that, you take into account how ugly his free throw shooting percentages were. <clears throat> now this surprised me when I looked up his numbers, right? I, I was looking at the jump shooting. The three-point shooting was great, but he, he can't shoot free throws. 59% on two per game as a freshman. That you know went to 64% as a sophomore on five per game. So once they started realizing he couldn't shoot the free throw, I guess they played hack a childs some more. And so he took five a game as a sophomore, but connected on 64%. Um, 71% as a junior on six a game, so somewhat improved. 
But then this past season, while he shot 49% from three, 54% from the stripe on five a game. So very, not a good free throw shooter. It's a bit concerning, right? You know, it's one of those questions you're going to have to ask yourself. Um, You know, is this concerning or will he eventually find his way, you know, back to that junior season figure of 71%? You know, can he find a way to be in that, the 70% range in the NBA and shoot 35, 34% from three? You know, that would be good. I would take that, but. I don't know. Is it enough? That small sample size of three-point shooting and the decent shot form, is that enough indicators? You know, are those enough indicators to be optimistic? You know, because I always like to look at that free throw as another indicator, but it's fucking been ugly so far for him, but uh, we'll see. Is a bit foul-prone, you know, talked about Mitchell Robinson being foul-prone. We do that all the time. Get on him for that. Child's average 3.2 per 40. Um, that's that's all four years. You know, you know, for someone who depends on his physicality a whole lot, those numbers got to improve. He's got to do a better job of, of staying out of foul trouble, you know, because that's how he plays defense. He's very physical. And so when he tends to get into foul trouble, he can get very passive because he doesn't obviously want to foul out. So... Got to find a way to become more disciplined. Um, no more stupid fouls. You know, 50, 40 feet from the basket. That cannot happen, you know, like it did at BYU. And last but not least, um, he's kind of old for his class. You know, he turns 23 years old in January. And for a rookie, you know, that brings into question, you know, how high is his ceiling? You know, is he more just a high floor player who will be ready right away? But might not be that great. Um, I know some of the comparisons I've heard, and I agree with, um, Mike Scott, former Hawk, one I came up with was Taj Gibson with a three-point shot. You know, Taj with some more stretch abilities. Um, I've heard Al, Al Horford, maybe as a ceiling, another former Hawk. And then Paul Millsap is actually a player that Childs himself um, says he models... His game after Paul Millsap, another former Hawk. So, um, you know, those are just some players, some ideas of who he could be like. Um, But yeah, if the Knicks do decide to get Childs, whether that be at 38 or with another second round pick, you know, using that 28th um, to trade back, or if they end up signing him as an undrafted prospect, you know, if they do get him on their roster, it fucking, you know, it'll make you think, you know, is is that it for Julius Randle? is, is you know, Kenny Wooten's future in question. Um, how much minutes is Kevin Knox going to see if we go go and draft or sign someone like Childs? Um, obviously, a lot of Knicks fans want Christian Wood, and I really do too. Actually, Christian Wood is, is one of the power forwards. He's a stretch four who we've talked about before in the podcast, um, who I really, really want. I think the Knicks should definitely go after. Um, but yeah, you know, just, to, just uh, another... Again, another episode where not much has gone on, but we just pretty much discussed um, some of the light news and, and head, you know rumors that have been in the headlines of late. But that is it, guys. That's it for tonight's episode. We're going to take a quick little break one more time. And when we get back, we will get to the NYY, NYK question of the day. You're listening to BD4.
So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. All right, let's get to the NYY NYK question of the day. All right, so as soon as the screen loads, and I can get to this fucking question. Here we go. All right, so last time's, uh, last episode's question in episode 170, we asked you to, uh, one second, got it right here. We asked you to name three of the Knicks' top five leading scorers of all time. Just three, but, um, so you could have named, we'll go from order one to five. You could have named Patrick Ewing, Walt Frazier, um. Oh, what happened? Fuck. Oh, Kershaw. Kershaw pitched well for another night in the World Series. Gotta give him credit. Uh, sorry, Ewing, Frazier, Reed, Allen, Houston, and um, Braun. Those were the five guys. Name at least three of them I asked you to. So, if you did that, congrats. Um, so, for episode 171, our question of the day, our NYY, NYK question of the day, is, as it says on the screen, if you're watching the pod, who has the most triple-doubles in New York Knicks history? All right, so one more time. Who has the most triple-doubles in Knicks history? Message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, preferably Facebook or Instagram, being that I don't use Twitter much nowadays. So message me the answer, DM it to me, or just comment the answer once I publish this podcast. This is episode 171 of the podcast. I'm your host, Rob Carbone of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, Yankees and Knicks analysis. You know, we have changed the studio. A bit, in case you haven't noticed. We, we've rearranged the studio. Um, again, we do that every couple of months. I like to uh, relocate in the studio and, and change it up a bit. But that's that's the, fuck, uh, that's the fucking deal. When we get tired and bored of the backdrop, we switch it up. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and all that stuff. Hope you guys have a wonderful... <laughs> excuse me. Wonderful night. And... Um, Again, God bless, take care, and have a good Monday morning. But if you're listening to this on a Monday morning, thank you. <laughs> but as this is released, it should be um, late, late Sunday night slash early, early Monday morning. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so right now. Yada, yada. Guys, thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. All right, ciao. Thank you.
This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.